Welcome to The Tailored Quill. I'm Taylor Wilkins, and I hope you enjoy today's perspective. I'm joined today by a really dear friend of mine named Michael Lee. Uh, Michael and I met here in Salt Lake City at an amazing bar that he works in named Undercurrent. A little shameless plug. <laughs> Got to give it a little plug. Got to. <laughs> Got to. But what we're really here to talk about today is what Michael Michael's passion project that he's turning into a real hustle, which is called Memento. And it's MementoStories.com, which we'll link to in the show notes at the end. But what Michael's doing with Memento is he's creating really concise and beautiful, simplified legacy videos for families for either their, you know, I don't know if you're like, uh, what's the word? Discriminating like by age or anything, Michael, but like, but for like the elderly individuals in the family to showcase highlights of their life and give an essence of their story to pass on to their family in the multiple generations in a really beautifully packaged, concise way. So I wanted to bring Michael on because I've actually been thinking a lot about legacy and death and life and fulfillment a lot recently, which we'll definitely go into. And so there's also such taboo around this idea of death and legacy and how people are supposed to live their lives that I wanted to have a really open dialogue with Michael about this subject and just see what it can inspire in ourselves. First of all, see what more I can learn but also see what it can inspire in my viewers about how to live a better life and how to live a life that they actually enjoy and are excited to pass on. So welcome, Michael. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad that we could finally make this work. I know, I know the beauty of quarantine. Yeah. We both have nice quarantine beards, I see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Growing it out for a while. <laughs> nice. So. You know, just to kind of enter right in, I don't, I don't, I don't like to waste time. I don't like to stay on the surface. So we're going to just like dive right into what you sure. are doing with Memento. And you're welcome to kind of give a little bit of context, but I want to know for you in particular, you know, like why is legacy important to you? Like, why do you care so much about this kind of project? Because it's so based on legacy. Yeah. So I'll just give you kind of like the impetus behind starting Memento. Um, it's been a concept that I've, I've thought about for a couple of years now and have only finally started making steps towards making it into a business for uh, myself, and myself and others. But I really came across the value of, of legacy and telling people stories when my grandfather died. And He's, we have a pretty big family, um, him and my grandma, who's still alive. They had 10 kids, uh, grew up in Sandy, Utah. He was raised literally, I think it was half a mile down the road. He, he, he built a house half a mile down the road from where he was raised. So there's a lot of strong family ties in the Sandy area where um, they raised their 10 kids and just seeing the seeing what he left behind when he died, there was a very big hole that, that was hard to fill with him being gone. And I realized that although we had like lots of stories and 
lots of memories of him being in our lives. I just felt like I didn't really have like something, just a piece that I could pass on to um, my kids. I, I recently, as you know, I just had a baby, baby girl um, a month ago. And even before like thinking of her, I, I just thought of the idea of like passing on who this person was, my, my grandfather to the next generation. I, I felt like there wasn't really a service that allowed me to like convey who he was as a person. And so just thinking about this, um, another business partner of mine, his father died a couple months after that. And so both of us were on just this, I won't even say weird, but it was just like this um, fortunate wavelength of like thinking about what death really represents to us mm -hmm. and um, looking for a way to really highlight the lives of these people, these, these men that we um, really loved and cared for and just make sure that their legacy was passed on. So really it came from, from death. Mm, sure. And then so what, tell me more about like the hole that you felt was difficult to fill when your grandfather passed away in terms of yeah. like what you wanted your now daughter to know about your grandfather. Yeah, I would say the, the biggest hole that, that I didn't even realize was there um, was just centered around like family values and traditions. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but one of the things that I cherished most about my, my grandparents, my grandpa, was their value of like the family unit and ensuring that all of these family functions that I kind of like, you know, kind of dismiss, like every, every year we'd have Thanksgiving dinner together and Christmas dinners together and Easter egg hunts at their house and all of these, these family things that a lot of the time I think you just like put them off as like, oh, I got to spend another Saturday with my family. Um, all of these, these moments I realized were like a culmination of just like ensuring that he showed us that all of, all of us matter and it's important to like get to know your roots and really like take advantage of those situations to get to know your family and and get to know what they stand for so that you can help each other out and i didn't realize that at the time but um once he was gone there was a, a brief period of like i would just say like reconfiguring how we did things as a family um since he wasn't really the one driving it anymore we had to find it in ourselves to like keep those traditions to together and yeah that that was probably the biggest hole that I noticed right off the bat nice and that's beautiful because you're talking not only about traditions that are unique to your family but you're also talking about a certain type of message or story that you gained or you learned from your grandfather that all of you mattered you know yeah. all of you were important to him and that's such an important thing to now pass on to your daughter yeah. too. So it's really cool that it's not just, uh, you know, like random stories here and there, but there's something much deeper for you uh, right. that you really wanted to make sure that was passed on 
in your in your particular situation from your grandfather to your daughter yeah yeah and it's i think it's something that people just don't really really give give thought to on a regular basis it's just like you know someone dies and you move on and you live your life worry about your problems but just taking the time to like reflect upon what their lives meant in the the grander scheme of things is just so so valuable and i i didn't have like i said like memento came out of this but i didn't have like the tools and hadn't really thought through like the format that i wanted to put behind this project um so unfortunately i didn't make a video for him while he was alive but um with that in my my mind i was able to make a video of my my grandmother who's still alive and we were able to share that at um, our family reunion that we do every year um, in the summer. We were able to share that with the family, and it was just, it was in incredible. Just like seeing the, just seeing what she represents to all of these different people, and I think it was a great pause in like all of the other superficial pleasantries and like games that we were playing throughout it was just a nice pause into like why we are really gathered here you know mm -hmm. for the weekend yeah which i love and i'm going to put a pin in that because that's that like <laughs> presence piece of, yeah. Like, yeah like pausing pausing life and really feeling not only that connection but the impact of why you're there why you're sitting there what's the point like why are you all together why are you all connected and why do you even care to be connected yeah. Love that. Okay. So we're probably going to come back to that. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> and that's also really cool that your grandmother made that, and she's still alive, so she was able to be at that event and watch, watch its impact on the rest of the family. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, with this pandemic, it's been very interesting, as, as we all know, just like figuring out the best way to interact with people. And fortunately, again, this was two years ago that we showcased it. So we were able to see her on a regular basis. Um, she's 93 now and living in an assisted living facility. So we don't see her as much anymore. Like we, I mean, we visit her and up until the pandemic hit, we were, we're still having our family functions, but um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of scary now just interacting with your older loved ones <laughs> you know you have to be very mindful of of seeing them now and yeah it's just a weird time yeah <laughs> definitely so i'm gonna take a, a little bit of a left turn because something that you said stuck out for me you were mentioning how this is like especially with regard to traditions this type of service and this type of uh, product that you're creating is really interesting now as a tool for you to almost prepare for somebody's death as what and yeah. like grieve grieve in advance but also gives you the sort of um, the foundation and like the the new territory to adjust whatever those kinds of like family connections or family traditions might come afterwards because as many viewers um, of this show know that my mom died back in March 
and she had had cancer. So we knew that there was probably a, a time limit. There was a deadline. And mm -hmm. we were lucky enough as a family that we had already begun to grieve long in advance. And we could grieve with my mom. Like we were very lucky to have that kind of connection. And what we're now recognizing after now that she's passed is like her birthday's coming up and her and holidays like the bulk of the holidays are coming up and we're a very family-centered holiday tradition kind of group sounds like yeah. do. and so we are about to face that as well of like okay how do we adjust these traditions what do we want to do differently when mom used to be like the focal person in it and mm -hmm. But it makes me think of people who don't have that kind of preparation where maybe there's a sudden death in the family or the family doesn't care as much about yeah. the traditions and adjusting things. So I don't think there's a question in that, but I just wanted to hear your take on it because everything that we are talking about is like really, really thoughtful preparation and reactions to a death of a family member. Yeah. And that's, that's something I've thought a lot about is like, who, who is our customer, right? Because as you're saying, no one knows when you're going to die, you know, very, very rarely do you know when you're dying, like your mother is an exception, like she was able to go through hospice and you were able to go through that with her. But most of the time we, we have no idea. Um, age is pretty much the only indicator that we can reliably go off of. And with that being said, um, I think one of my my goals and like one of my missions of creating this company is just to really make it make it popular, make it trendy to really just think about think about death and like don't be don't be afraid to think it's too early to be thinking about this. Like it's okay if you're thinking about this in your forties or fifties, you know. Um, I think a lot of the time as our parents get older, that's when it like clicks in our mind, like, oh yeah, we're not going to be around forever. And why, why wait until your parents start to not all be there mentally? Like why not take advantage of like really having those in-depth conversations with them, maybe even getting some questions answered from your your parents or grandparents um, before death is literally knocking on the door mm -hmm. and I think that's yeah like I said I think that's one of the things I want to get out of out of this project and this business is just like making sure people are aware that they don't have to wait to the, the very last moment you don't have to procrastinate to like have these conversations you should be doing these this now there's not a there's not a right time to figure this all out Sure, sure. So, and I, I completely agree with you. I mean, your attitude and mentality about this is the why not mentality of like, why not think about these things now or ahead of time? So, <clears throat> but on the flip of that, why do you think, this is kind of going down the disheartening road, like why do you think people don't care as much about legacy? Yeah, I personally, <laughs> I think there's a, how do I say this nicely, but I'll just say it. I think that most of us are pretty selfish. You know, I think that we, not, not necessarily in a bad way, but we're always thinking about ourselves and, you know, 
what we want out of life and what we want to give out, give to people in life. And I, I think that when you strip that away with like a death in the family is when you actually start really thinking about, you know, these other people that you love and care for, it, but you don't necessarily think of them in terms of, of their, they're being being gone at a certain point and i don't know i think there's that component of it like just the the egocentric component but i also think like in american culture death is kind of like this taboo subject um <laughs> i really don't know what's more taboo like talking about death or talking about sex they're they're like these subjects that most people don't want to talk about and it's almost as if death is this enemy that you have to avoid and like just not think about. Mm -hmm. um, whereas a lot of other cultures, that's not the case. So I think there's two things going on there, culture and then also just the, the ego. Sure, sure. And then so along those same lines, like you just identified, you know, sex and death, but also if you look at any kind of research studies, a lot of human fears are of other things other than death. Even yeah. I think underneath it all, there's definitely like some serious angst we all feel if mm -hmm. we are as selfish as we're talking about. Like human beings obviously strive to survive. And so why do you think, you know, why do you think death is so taboo? And or <laughs> why do you think it's something that isn't something that people will like expressly say they fear but they really want to avoid yeah that that is like the million dollar question <laughs> i i mean i can only speculate but i think it's 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 just like a something you just don't want to think about like i think it's really hard for people to wrap their head around not being here and whether you believe in an afterlife or not, like just the idea of what you're experiencing, all of these senses, these things you're seeing, the people that you know, like just knowing that they're not going to be there, even if it's just for like a glimpse of time, I think it's really hard to, to grasp and really kind of process. And so I think there's just like this while people may not say they're afraid of death, I think it's like so deeply embedded in us and we don't really have to think about it when we're healthy that it's not this, not an ongoing fear. It's just like something we never have to have to think about mm -hmm. until we do. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot in that answer that I want to ask about. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think death, I think like, like what you're saying, I think the most important thing that you just said is that you can't really wrap your head around death. It's like what it's going to experience, what you're going to experience, what it's going to be like, what happens next. You know, like there's, there are so many belief systems about what happens next. Yeah including the belief system that nothing happens next, <laughs> that we're just done, right? And I think I find this topic so particularly interesting because when, when my mom was in respite care, I was able to learn, I had the fortunate 
opportunity to learn from her about life and death and just learned a lot in general as I was just like reflecting on the whole process. And personally, like I've thought about death before, not to the extent of like feeling comfortable with it, like, <laughs> totally, totally accepting of it, but I've thought about death before so much more than I've ever thought about legacy. So it's almost like the life we live, the legacy we leave and death are like the three like chronological categories. And yeah. it's like I skipped over, it's like I've skipped over the category that you are taking full advantage of with your business or that you are like hammering in as more important yeah. because like I'm aware of my life. I know what I need to do to enjoy my life. And I've thought about death, definitely not to the point of accepting it, but on my way to accepting that death will happen. Yeah. And then you just come in right in the middle with life. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, if you were like, hypothetically, if you filled up an auditorium with the most selfish people in the world who like didn't think about death, didn't care about legacy whatsoever, what would you tell them is like the reason why legacy is really important for all of us, not just the personal reason of why it became important for you. Why is it important for us? Yeah, I think, I mean, if we're talking to selfish people, I would say the, the better your legacy is, the more people re will remember you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I like that. That's good sales and marketing. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Night today, be remembered tomorrow. <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, I think that the, the important component to to legacy is just passing on like tradition. I think traditions are very, very valuable and somewhat underrated. Um, I, I'll, I'll say this. I didn't, I didn't come from like a broken family by any, by any means, but um, I had a really, I still have a, a best friend that I've been friends with since childhood. And like, I'm, I'm 31 now and I'm realizing the impact of like his friendship and seeing their family unit has had on on my life and <clears throat> i i think just like realizing how how valuable traditions are and passing those on to the next generation is how we how we learn and grow and even if it's not traditions even if it's just like learning from the life experiences of other people like that's, that's what humanity is. That's how we build upon inventions, you know? Like some people leave journals with scientific information that helps us build, you know, going from a light bulb all the way up to, you know, where, where we're at right now, you know, powering cities with light. Um, I think other, other, other instances of people's, um, everyday life like even if you're not an inventor even if you're not a great artist or musician or you know business tycoon like you still have value because you've lived x number of years on this life that no one's lived before no one's had those experiences and i in some ways i kind of feel like it's your duty to leave something behind for for someone to learn from and even if you don't have children, like you have friends, you have other people that know you, like 
what are you going to pass on to make your life more valuable for the next generation? It's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, I, I just think it, it's like a, a moral obligation that we, we all have. Mm -hmm. But it's cool that you're also talking about, you're talking about the selfish thing of like, well, what can you do to make your life for lack of a better word, seem more valuable. <laughs> but yeah, also, you know, like to play to the selfish crowd, it could just be like, this is a way to make you seem much more valuable, make your life seem like it has meaning and purpose. Right. Um, but you're also talking about the selfless piece too, of being like, passing something on is a contribution to the other person's future or the rest of your family's future because there's something there's always something that they can learn and take away from take away from it and grow from yeah yeah it's it's yeah i think that that perfectly sums it up and i was also thinking how i mean you're you're talking about life legacy and death i think you could even switch those two around death and legacy you know you live you die, and then that's when your legacy really, really steps in, you know? Maybe you need to prepare for it beforehand, but you don't really control what people think of you after you die. And so it's kind of up to you to, you know, <laughs> if you're selfish, to get people to think of you the way you want to be thought of. Um, but on a selfless level, yeah, what, what do you want to pass on so that not just people have a good image of you, but um, <laughs> so that they can enhance your life from your experiences. Right. Well, that's what I also really appreciate already from this conversation, because I work with people who <clears throat> really, really care about uh, being selfless and they have to be selfish first to figure out how they want to be selfless. Right. But what I love about the way that you just described that is that you really cannot control how people think of you going forward and i love that because then like all that you can control is you know yourself and elements of your life or like how you handle certain elements of life and so i love i just love that reframe so much and that's helpful for me because then when you're thinking about legacy it's not about how others how you want others to feel about you it's just about offering something selflessly that people can take or leave, but it's just something from which they can learn and grow that could enhance their life in some kind of way. Yeah. Basically just offering them a choice of like, Hey, here's, here's stuff that I learned. Here was my life experience. Do something with it if you want. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm curious too, like what you're, I guess what what is your perspective on I'm curious what your perspective on on death is now that you've had like this uh, this event with your your mother happen. Right. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you asking. Um complicated. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah. Like more my idea of death is now simplified and it's slightly and it's still a little complicated. And the reason being is like is I had I had a professor in college who who was a biology professor and he just and he was very clear about like what happens biologically when you die 
not speaking about the soul, not talking about the spirit, nothing about that, nothing existential, but he's just like, yeah, this is how your body deteriorates. And it was so cut and dry that you're just kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So we become fertilizer. Okay. That kind of yeah. cool. It gives back to the earth. But then there's that other half that is the part that people can't wrap their heads around. And so um, in the process, when, I, when my mom was in respite and I, I had the opportunity to speak with the medical director of the respite center, which in itself is pretty trippy to think about because she's a doctor. <laughs> she's a doctor that is helping death happen. Yeah comfortably <laughs> exactly like supporting the death process yeah <laughs> the best way to put it and that was fascinating for me and i got to speak with her and just ask her what she has learned about death throughout her career and she was describing it how you if you think about death in like the kind of colloquial almost comic booky cartoonish kind of way and like death is just this like cloaked figure it's like a humanoid figure that you can actually like interact with when you die she was describing it as like this is something that you can actually get to know like you get to know your own your own death like how do you personally and uniquely feel about death how do you get to know your death process how do you think that you will handle it so instead of thinking as death of death as this like huge taboo subject she was like no 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 just get down on the personal level with this person who knows that they may be terminal or knows that they probably won't recover and ask them what their experience of death is and how do you actually get to know this entity of death as though it was just another person and she said she said like you could psychologically or kind of meditatively go on a walk with death yeah. get to know like kind of like have those personal conversations in your mind about death with death before <laughs> you die <laughs> yeah it's almost like turning death from this adversarial figure to this friend in exactly. some ways exactly because that's the thing whenever you think of something or somebody and you judge somebody as like an enemy or someone that could be a threat to you, you get nervous and apprehensive and you don't want to interact with that person. Right. But as soon as they say hello and they smile and you're like, oh wow, they're actually nice. Like, okay, let's chit chat. And then you suddenly realize that you have similarities or what have you. The dynamic in the relationship is completely transformed. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm thinking of, or what I have learned is that I'm thinking about death in that same kind of way that so many people are afraid of it and want to avoid or reject it. But then if you follow what this doctor was saying and you just get to know it better, it might become a friend. It might be someone who's less threatening. Yeah. Definitely the case with my mom. I mean, she spent quite a lot of time accepting what was going to happen and like, I, I personally would like to write some kind of book or something at some point, like personifying like her and whatever her walk with death would have looked like. I think that would have been fun and like funny to write that conversation. Yeah. But it's just cool to think of it as that journey of getting to know somebody instead of trying to avoid it at all costs until that moment comes. Did she ever share like what, I mean, it sounds like in so many words she has um, shared like what her relationship what with death became, but 
could you, like, what would you say, how, how do you think she viewed death? Sure. Um, she shared it, I think she sort of shared it uh, concurrently with the cancer that she had. So she has pancreatic cancer and she was describing the whole process uh, very much so modeled after my uncle who died from another form of cancer um, a year and a half ago that she was never bitter about it. She was never angry at the cancer. She was never angry at, she was never angry at God. She was never angry at the cancer. She was never angry at doctors. So there was never any kind of bitterness involved with her process. And the model that came from my uncle, which my mom learned from my uncle is that, you know, if she had been angry, she probably would have died a lot sooner. Yeah. It wouldn't, wouldn't have done any good. She wouldn't have enjoyed her interactions with friends or with us or anything. So she's very sad because she didn't want to leave, but she didn't have that kind of like harshness or didn't really feel like it was as much of a threat because she just felt like it was this relationship and she was just kind of like, kind of forced into the relationship. You know, it's like an arranged right. arrangement. <laughs> and I'm calling it that. She didn't call it that. But uh, just that forced relationship where she chose to actually just kind of like be in the relationship. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting too. Like, even before my, my grandpa died, I I thought a lot about like, what's the obsession with leaving a legacy behind and I think there's a drive in can't say all of us but I think a lot of us see like leaving a legacy in 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 like the selfish terms that we were talking about like I want to be remembered for x y and z and what what are your thoughts on like the obsession behind leaving a legacy if or if you think there is in our in our society uh it's a good question. I don't think there really is. I think that's why, and it's part of why you and I are having this conversation. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, that we, you and I chatted the other day and there was, there's a book that I really wish I remember the title of, but it's basically talking about how we humans, we really want to be seen as such like powerful, authoritative figures in the universe that we want to know that we can cheat death in some kind of way. We want to live forever. We were trying to figure out how to do that. And the book was talking about how we do risky activities in order to be like, okay, cool. I just like sort of face death. <laughs> and, then went a little bit. <laughs> yeah. and then I survived. And so I'm good. So like, phew, let's go get drinks, you know, something like that. Yeah. Just remind ourselves that we, can actually reject it uh, yeah. so I've seen more of that uh, in the psychology field and just kind of in society in general and I made that may just be a generalization of American culture where that sort of selfishness is much more present um, but I, I know I also have read enough ethnography and history of like different cultures that I know that storytelling is still such an important and crucial aspect of history, of like passing on history, passing on lessons that are important for people to learn. Yeah. Yeah. 
do you think it's a, would you say it's a natural progression to, I guess, start thinking about a legacy or, well, yeah, start thinking about a legacy once someone close to you dies or do you, do you think that you either start thinking about a legacy because that's in your mind or, and some people just never get there and think about it? Uh, I mean, maybe I should be asking you that same question. <laughs> Since you're thinking about the <laughs> yeah, you have the business. This is good. This will go into your website. Um, <laughs> man, um, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think what I think where people get stuck, and this is actually like a pillar of my brand, like my my coaching and counseling, is that. I think where people get stuck is the overgeneralizations where mm -hmm. instead of looking at what works or what would work best for them or for their family or for the individual in their family who's going to pass away. Um, yeah. Like the doctor said about death, like just forget what society says. If you're in a respite house and you're weeks from death, stop thinking about society. Like thinking about, just start thinking about what you feel about death, what your relationship with death is like, what your process, what you imagine your process will be like in those final moments. And so I think the same thing about legacy in the sense that like, even you running a brand about legacy, you wouldn't step on people's toes to force some kind of like lesson or axiom about legacy that everybody <laughs> has to swallow, <laughs> right? Correct. And and so I think it's equally unique to the person. Because like I said, I haven't thought much about legacy. I think a lot about impact, but mm -hmm. I also think a lot about making sure that I'm living a life that is a good role model life of like me enjoying it, me being fulfilled, you know? And it would be cool if I could pass that on just as like an example. Um, but that's not the same as everybody. So I think it's very individual and very unique, but I don't think a lot of people think about it as individual or unique. Yeah. I can get behind that. Yeah. I mean, like, I, you know, with you talking about your mom and my grandpa, like both of our experiences were vastly different. Like, you have sounds like you had a more intimate approach to like learning and understanding death a little bit more mine was a little bit more removed it was you know he was older but it was still very sudden and yeah i think that that has a lot of weight to it just the end of that individuality of of like making a legacy or thinking about that it's going to be tailored to um each each person and their experience with it that's been another thing I've so I'm actually working with one client um, actively and then I have a couple others that um, will be next but just like seeing the two approaches that they've had to like providing video content and like what the video represents to them um, coincidentally it's for two both of the, the videos will be for their their grandparents um, grandmother specifically um, but yeah it's vastly different just the the way they want to like, go about the putting together the story and like what values 
are important to them, my family. And it's been an interesting cross-section of cultures to just see how people are approaching death. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you and I keep bringing up the word story too, which is something I wanted to ask you about because something you and I talk about or talked about the other day, which only some of my my uh, my community knows is that my mom actually had a legacy video made last year secretly um, by another person like yourself who has created a brand around making these types of awesome packaged videos yeah and in hers i imagine that she had an outline i could tell that she had notes and things in front of her but she just told a lot of stories she she taught a lot about family tree and a lot about the relationships and the dynamics and and us and like the kids and then the grandkids and everything but she also told a ton of really beautiful stories that were just kind of like you know it was just like kind of perforated with these stories and they mm -hmm. weren't i wouldn't call their stories random because they were important to her but like they just kind of flowed naturally between what you're talking about about the important lessons and messages to pass on and to these kinds of stories on the side that were really cool many of which i had never heard and so you know on your website which is mementostories.com again as a shameless plug <laughs> um <laughs> yeah i um what you talk about you talk about in the on the about page is about stories and how there is some there is a human experience or a, a singular human story that is deeper than the stories that we verbalize that we all share and yeah. so i wonder i wonder from your perspective like what is that deeper human story that brands like yours and to an extent brands like mine are trying to make sure to honor and touch on as much as we can well it sounds cliche because it is and there's a cliches are cliches for a reason right yeah but i think the story that we are all trying to tell we all have different aspects of the same story from generation to generation but i think the story is that we are all connected in some way and it's i think is it's important in society that we start seeing ourselves as <laughs> sounds weird but like it's one entity with each of us affecting others and that's kind of a component that I feel like social media is kind of really pulling away from it's it's it, in, in a lot of ways it's connecting us for greater good and I think there is going to be a net positive with with that change of us being more connected through social media but it's also creating these vast valleys of just divisiveness um, especially right now in America. And I think that divisiveness comes from not remembering that we are all connected and we are all human. We all have these different experiences that as an aggregate, they, they show what humanity is capable of and, you know, the path that we're on. And so I think I think that's the story that we're we're all trying to tell in some some way and the faster that we can acknowledge that the better life will get for us 
like that. So if I'm hearing you right, it's about the connection that we all have or the way that we are all connected as one singular, for lack of better words, animal entity. I mean, like human, we're all human. Human beings are all human beings. And we're just another species floating around in the universe. And so, so it's tying that kind of connection, you mean, to what you've shared before of just like how people can learn and grow. Right. And lean into that connection or get as close as possible to that connection. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that sums it up pretty nicely. There's also, I mean, you can even go past just like the human race of it. You know, we're connected to the world that we live in. And I think a lot of times we, we forget about that too, like the impact that humans have on Mother Earth. And I think, yeah, I think sometimes that gets lost in translation with, with how we live our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Which, and we keep coming back to this selfishness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I think you're kind of touching on too. And that, and that selfishness can be distracting. You know, it can, it can close, close us off not only from each other, but from ourselves. And now, as you just added, from our impact on the world as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so, and this, that the selfishness line is, is, is an extremely fine line that I coach a lot of people on because you don't want to be fully selfish because then you'll be disconnected from everything that you just shared. Uh, you also don't want to be fully selfless in your life because then you won't be focusing on yourself or being healthy or living a life that you want. We focus too much on other people. Yeah. And so the another primary pillar of my business is helping people identify what it is about their lives that is that can be fulfilling. Like how can they actually enjoy their life like what can they do what do they need to be aware of what do they need to know about their lives to actually enjoy it and be happy and be excited about as you're describing the legacy and the lessons and the traditions to pass along and uh there was some there was a famous study done of people uh probably in respite care asking what were their biggest regrets in life and the number one one that comes up a lot is uh, living more truthfully to yourself, you know, focusing more on how you want to live your life, not what society tells you to do. Um, that'll make you enjoy it more. And then so tying it more into this, like how do you, trying to develop the question, even though I just gave you so much context. <laughs> um, I guess the question that I have around that is, you know, how do you suggest that we think about legacy? Maybe this is a chicken or the egg thing. How do you suggest we think about legacy? So that we can live. Thank you, yes. So that we can live in such a way that we are present and connected and we actually enjoy our lives. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know where you're going. Okay, cool. Um, I would <laughs> yeah, say, say <laughs> well, that's why I love what, what you're doing too, because you're focused on the here and now, which is the reason why a legacy means anything. You know, like, I think, I guess to answer your question, you really have to come from a place of, of this is an oversimplification, but 
one of the things I think you can really think about in, in life is like, are you living dictated by love or are you living dictated by fear? And a lot of the times like fear can mask itself in so many ways. And a lot of the times we, we act or don't act because we're afraid of something as opposed to doing what we know we should if we just opened our hearts a little bit and acted out of love. It's a very different pathway. And I think that in order to have a legacy worth living, you know, maybe part of the reason why society doesn't deem legacy as worthwhile is because we're living out of fear and we're not doing what we know we should be doing if we just sat down, listen, take, take a little bit of time to meditate and just think about the path that our life is on versus just like, you know, short-term gains that we may be getting. So I think just thinking a little bit more about love instead of fear would make a huge, huge difference to a meaningful legacy down the road. Nice. I like that. So especially regarding legacy then and tying it back to what we talked about in the very beginning, now that you have your own daughter, how has legacy and like everything we've talked about, the storytelling, the selfishness, the selflessness, everything, how has that changed and or been amplified now that you have a one month old daughter? <laughs> uh, I think, sounds kind of funny but um i mean obviously sleep depri deprivation is real so i feel like in some ways it's just been a matter of keeping your head afloat while you figure this whole childhood parenting thing out but before sleep depri deprivation um slipped in I, I remember thinking in the hospital just like everyone tells you you should sleep while they're sleeping but it was really hard for me to sleep i just found myself wanting to look at her and just, yeah, just admire like the miracle that is a child and that is a human, you know? A child is just a small human with no experiences, something that has untapped potential. And I think just seeing that and knowing that myself and my wife are going to be a part of this creation process to like, shape and mold it not to be and there's a lot of different parenting models but for me it's important that i don't shape and model her to be what i want her to be i want to shape and model her to be what she is capable of being and help her figure that out um which is again where where you come in <laughs> yeah but um you can put me on retainer right yeah. now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I just, you know, as soon as she was born, it just became very palpable. And yeah, it made me, I wouldn't say it really changed how I felt, but it definitely amplified, as you said, um, just that the, the purpose behind my actions and ensuring that I'm living the way that I want to live so that I can best support her to be her best self. And yeah, it's great. Like, <laughs> as, a, as a lot of parents say, it's, it's hard to put into words like how much you love this, this person that you really don't know. It's just a, 
it's a baby. <laughs> but, <laughs> in a in a way, you do know them, so it's great. That's awesome. I like it. And so, is there any kind of, you know, luckily you and I, you and I are thirty-one. We were relatively healthy at the moment. So just from your 31 years, do you feel as though there's already something, if a legacy video is being made about you, if, if you were making a legacy video about yourself, um, is, there already, is there already something that along the lines of a lesson or just experiences that you want to pass on for um, Eliana to learn and grow from, is there something that stands out for you that you want to pass on already? And it's okay if there's not. <laughs> but, Actually, sure thought about this. <laughs> um, no, that's a great question. I I would like to think there is. Um, I feel like I I really came into my own um, right around like my mid twenties is where I really I realized that a a lot of my life was being dictated by fear and. Um, I went through this this forum, um, the Landmark Forum. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Um, mixed feelings about that organization, but um, what I got out of it was, again, realizing that I could spend up and up until that point, I hadn't really realized how much I was like afraid of what people thought of me. And so much of my life was being dictated, like what I would do and what I wouldn't do was being dictated by what people might think of me that I would never know. But just in the back of my head, I'm like, can't do that. I might look silly to someone. Um, and I think over the last like, you know, six, seven years, I just realized how much your life can be if you just not stop caring, but stop caring about things that aren't real like the, the weird thoughts in your head the mental chatter that may never actually be a thing stop caring about that mm -hmm. and i think at this point in my life to answer your question um i think my legacy would be one of doing living intentionally and doing what you love regardless of what other people think of um, and one of the things I did, I quit. I used to work in um, corporate banking. I did that for about eight years. Didn't love it. <laughs> it paid the bills. Um, it was nice and cushy, but I wasn't getting anything out of it. So I quit that job and I went on this epic bike trip down the, the entire coast of um, the Pacific Highway. So from, from uh, <laughs> Vancouver to Tijuana, or not Vancouver, um, no, no, Vancouver to Tijuana. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was quite the bike trip. Yeah. <laughs> Took about 30, I think it was 35 days, a uh, little over 2,000 yeah, miles. California, California is a big state, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was, that was kind of like the catalyst. I, well, I guess quitting was the catalyst, and then that was like the, the nice uh, stamp of approval that I was doing what I wanted to do and just living intentionally. And I got into bartending because I wanted to learn something new. And it was something that I was curious about. And, you know, to society, I think a lot of people thought I was crazy to give up a, a high paying job to go bartend. Who does that? 
but for me it was more important to live live a life with purpose and like take risks and figure it out along the way than just kind of just coast along doing something that I'm capable of doing that, that I have no passion behind. Right. Um, and then from bartending, that's, I've made so many different connections. And one of the connections I made was my business partner that helped me start Memento. And so, you know, in, in a, a big way, this would have never started without me taking a risk and just doing something that came from a place of love instead of a place of fear. Mm-hmm. So that's, even if I die tomorrow, that's what I think, you know, my daughter could learn from me is just live intentionally and be deliberate with your actions and good things come from that. Right. It's amazing. And not to get weird and morbid, but even if you didn't die tomorrow, then <laughs> this, this recording would be your legacy video. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no pressure on me at all. <laughs> weird. Um, that's really cool. And I think a, a big reason, I think everything that you just described is one of the reasons why we are friends, first of all, uh, why I value the connection with you, as well as, um, you know, that's, that's why I mentioned earlier that you were a bartender too. And that's how we met because when my partner Sarah and I met you at Undercurrent, we were like, he's not there's more to this guy (laughs) there's like like we would have an interaction and it was more of an interaction than we had ever had with any bartender and so then there was like okay there's something else going on with this person like we could tell that you care so much more not only about what you're doing in the present but also what else you can do in your life and so I think you and I really bond over the fact that we are trying to figure out what is best for us individually to do to live a life that we enjoy and now you're doing a brand that's helping people honor the life that they have lived hopefully indirectly inspires others to live a life that they enjoy and are fulfilled by yeah it's a beautiful cycle (laughs) it is and it's endless hopefully that i think that'll be really really helpful for people now do you Along those lines, though, now that you're a business owner and you've had to package up your services and make it really concise of like what you do with people's legacy and story and how it's portrayed, and to an extent, you're the one who's kind of dictating that, how does that, what's that process like for you when you kind of have to guide the family and counsel the family in terms of like how, like what stories to tell, what clips to to share with you and for you how to curate it all together to be this limited amount of stories yeah that's a good and fair question um honestly it's been it's been challenging it's been challenging trying not to put my my wants and desires into this video at all you know it's kind of i'm trying to be a very neutral vessel to providing the service that is dictated by um, the client and you know not having any of those relationships it's hard to it's hard to extract like what is truly important in that family unit and what they really are trying to portray out of this 
Um, but it is, it's definitely possible. And that's what I'm, I'm learning. It's just a matter of, you know, having those deep conversations. And what's really interesting is just watching the videos, you know, like there's so much of, of what we value that's not, not said through words. It's, it's said through what we feel. And so a lot of the times, like I, I found this, especially putting together my grandma's video, what, what she said was important and what the family said was important wasn't actually what we saw so much so as, as what the video footage showed. And so we, we initially put together the video thinking like baking would be a crucial part of this, this whole process for her. Like that's what she always did. We, we knew that it was important to her um, only to find out that that was like, that she did that because she loved her family. She hated she hated baking and she hated cooking, but she did that because she loved her family. Uh. And like what was really important to her was a piano and just like all of these these traditions. My grandfather and her they both shared that drive to like create this family that had all of these traditions, and um, that was much more important than anything that. The family could have said so yeah it's like i said it's challenging but a lot of the time the the uh, videos dictate the values of the family which a lot of people don't realize that's really cool yeah i didn't realize that <laughs> so that's yeah. that's cool and that that takes away the the human the human distraction because you as you said before a lot of your a lot of the project work is like interacting with the family members about content for another family member right to be given to you and you're a third party right so it's cool that the content is what actually speaks the value instead of one of the three parties trying to dictate that exactly exactly and it's just been yeah it's really fun to see um we try to make them very concise that really the goal with memento was um distill all of the as much of the value you can get out of like all of these home videos into something that was digestible for even a stranger that may not necessarily know them that well so really we don't have like a time threshold but we try to keep the videos from like five minutes to 20 minutes um just so that it's something that like i said it's it's not this marathon of like watching endless hours of footage because um, most people don't want to do that so that's that's what we're trying to do is just make it something short concise but also very rich in character of what this person um, did in their life and who they are in their life all right <clears throat> i love that and this is interesting because the i mean my mom's legacy video was over two hours long Mm -hmm. And I have, I'm not, I don't have any idea how Allie, the videographer had like her structures, her brand. Um, mm -hmm. I'd like to ask her about it. <laughs> and so, but it's very interesting, the dichotomy between your brand, which is creates like five to 20 minute long, really concise, beautifully produced, mm -hmm. like kind of montages and things. Yeah. Whereas my mom's, and maybe this is my mom's request. I have no idea, but she did it secretly. So 
um, maybe she just requested for it to just be her the whole time and very, very little B-roll footage or like very little extra picture things. Um, And so, you know, I've I've only, I think I I tried to introduce you to somebody else who's a legacy photographer. Um, Mm -hmm. And so where do you think, just purely out of your imagination, like as this legacy thing seems to be picking up a little bit more steam, Mm-hmm. some kind of way because I had never really heard of this kind of product until I met you and then of course this happened with my mom and then I've met this other photographer so where do you think that this field I should say or just this alley or this yeah. industry might might head in the future where do you I, I think it has a lot of potential it's just going to be as you said it's a very small very niche right now and I think it's it's up to us, all of the people in this industry, to really make people more aware of the legacies that they're they're leaving behind. Um, and the only way to do that is just to make make these videos. And it's one of those things. Like the reason I like the short, concise version is because I think, as I said, like I think a stranger can get it. There's obviously a lot of value to having hours of footage, especially if it's coming directly from a, a mother, you know, that's amazing to have that. But not everyone's going to want to watch that. And I think that by creating these, for me anyway, creating these these small pieces that strangers can see, it, I think it it makes it so that people understand it a little bit more, like the value behind a person and the life that they've, they've lived. And, um, so yeah, just the more that people, the more that we create these videos and get it out there, I think it'll help change people's minds about why it's important to like live a life worth meaning so that you can create a like legacy behind it. But it's gonna be years, I think. It's gonna be a few years before this becomes like something that people, this becomes mainstream, I'll say. Right, yeah. I wonder, do you think that this, that legacy would become more mainstream or trendy before people are able to kind of demystify the taboo of death? Oh, that's a great question. I think legacy will be more, yeah, I think legacy will come first purely because we just have more, we're getting more and more access to, to video footage, you know, like everything's being recorded now. It's, it's really easy to put together something, whereas death, you really have to think about. Yeah. You, know, you really have to, no one, no one still wants to think about that. And I think you can put that off a little bit longer than, you know, putting together a video. True, true. Yeah, I definitely imagine them to be very different trends. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully both happen. Like hopefully people yeah. do kind of decrease the taboo of death in some kind of way. I mean, I know there are a lot of places that are doing it, so it's not like it's unheard of, right. <laughs> but um, like death coaching or like, or different different programs and clinics or whatever, but um, it'll be very interesting to see. Cause I think you're definitely onto something, especially with these underlying themes of what is the value of your life and asking, I mean, challenging people, asking people straight up, like if you were speaking to them in an auditorium, how do you want your life to be valuable enough to pass yeah. on. Does that even matter to people? So yeah. yeah, I think that's 
Fortunately, it seems like, yeah, the, the people that I've talked to, the people that have come and um, requested the service, they, they get it. And unfortunately, it's taking someone dying in the past, in the recent past, for them to like see it. But um, yeah, the more we just get the word out there, I think it's, it, it'll have a, a long lasting impact on our society. Yeah. And I just thought just by nature, the fact that you are catching families prior to somebody's death, ideally, clearly, ideally. Um, that might have this like side effect of sort of of hitting on the family's ideas of death. Yeah. It might actually simultaneously be helping the family preemptively grieve and deal with death and like change their own stories about death because they're involved with their family members' legacy project. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point that I haven't really considered too fully. But yeah, I think that has a lot of merit to it as well. That'll be cool. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm excited to see where you go with this. So to, to wrap this up, the, the question that I really like asking all of my guests on this show is, <clears throat> it comes from my godfather, who actually, who hosted an event at his house, and he was a doctor, and he, um, he had a guest come and speak to re new residents who were just like, just freshly doctors, fresh doctors. And they were all nervous about the, the practice and certain things like that. And this guy just simply asked, like, what is your definition of a good life? Because if everybody's able to answer that for themselves, then the, you know, these people's medical practice will become a lot more comfortable because you already know kind of like where you're guiding people. Yeah. Everybody comes up with their own definition. And I love that. And so... Uh, especially because so much of what we've just been talking about is about the importance of life and how to live an enjoyable and fulfilled life. My last question for you is, what is your definition of the good life or a good life? Well, material possessions, as we all know, they don't last. Um, I think what's most important is the, the relationships that we form while we're alive and the deeds we do while we're alive. Um, what matters is, I'm not gonna say the legacy you leave behind is, it, is what matters most. I think it's the actions that are the reason why you have a legacy that matter. So living in such a way that you're, Kind of like, kind of like what you're saying, like you want to live selfishly, but you also need to live selflessly. There's, a def there's definitely a balance you need to strike so that you can reach your full potential to maximize the actions that you do for other people. And I think that, you know, as sad as it is, like some people never are able to get to that point because they die prematurely. Um, or just never even consider living that way. But I think the first few years of your life is, that's, what, that's what's vital, like creating that foundation so that you can um, get to a point where your needs are met and then you can start meeting the needs of the people around you. And you can do that at any point in your life. I'm not saying that if you're 
40 and you've never started, it's too late. It's never too late. But living from a place of love and living for other people, helping them where they, helping them in the way that they need, um, and just doing, just doing what your best to like be what you would consider to be a, a good human is, is what matters. So nice. that's, that's what I think. Well said. I love that. That's great. Thank, thankfully, it's congruent with everything else that you have shared in this interview. <laughs> <laughs> Money, <right>. cars, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, you <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Like that, that's, that was very well said, and I appreciate it. I appreciate the way you said it. So, Michael, thank you so so much for joining me today. I feel like I feel like you are someone, especially with this topic, that we could definitely have many more conversations than this. So, yeah. um, I'll be interested to see, especially as Eliana starts to grow into her own personality in the next couple of years, um, returning to this conversation of like how you're. <clears throat> we should just have a parenting episode, basically. <laughs> legacy and parenting. <laughs> yeah. You and I should just start a whole side brand of like parenting and legacy. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but again, thank you so much for taking the time. This, this topic means a ton to me, obviously, because of my mom. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to dive into it with me. It's been a pleasure. It's really good to talk to you, Taylor. Thank you. And so once again, everybody, this is Michael Lee from Memento, and I'll put your website as well as your Instagram handle down in the show notes. So make sure to get in touch with me or Michael if you have any questions about his business or any of the topics that we talked about today, about death, about life, about legacy. And make sure also to share this out. I mean, this the whole point that Michael and I are trying to make through this is that legacy and a life that is actually fulfilling and death are all conversations that we need to be having. They're very important to have for the sake of our future, for the sake of who we can pass on these valuable lessons and experiences and stories too. So make sure to share this out and tell us what you think and we'll see you again in the next episode.